Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by Freshly. Getting a quality dinner on the table every night doesn't have to be so hard. Freshly chefs send you delicious, freshly prepared meals so you can eat better without any of the work. No cooking or cleanup required. Delivered to your door fresh, their meals are ready when you are. Freshly chefs and nutritionists make sure that every meal is nutritious and made with high quality, all natural ingredients. So now you can come home late and still have a delicious chef-cooked meal waiting for you. Try Freshly, and you'll see what it's like to put zero effort into making dinner. Go to Freshly.com slash Woj to get $25 off your first order of six meals. That's $25 off plus free shipping at Freshly.com slash Woj. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another edition of the Woj Pod. It is NBA Draft Week, and who better to have in than ESPN's draft analyst, Mike Schmitz. Let's get to it. Mike, how are you? I'm great, man. How are you? I'm well. So you're in uh, you're in St. Catharines, Ontario, scouting what? It's the uh, FIBA Under-18 Americas. <laughs> so it's USA and um, Canada and Panama, uh, Argentina, you know, trying to find the next guys. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, uh, but we're, we're, we're locked in on, on this year's guys. We're, we're within a week now of Thursday's draft and within a few days of <clears> – <throat> Our draft show, on the clock show Monday night on ESPN, and then our, our walk up all week um, in New York for Thursday night's seven o'clock uh, telecast on on ESPN. The, Mike, I, to me, the Michael Porter situation. Um, he he was he has a uh, he has scheduled on Friday uh, this morning uh, as we're taping. Um, an evaluation teams are coming in from uh, several of the lottery teams. Most of the lottery teams are coming in to, with some of their own doctors to uh, examine, uh, just be able to kind of uh, get eyes on Porter. He's not going to work out. He did that last week or within the last couple of weeks for teams. He He's kind of really become, and he probably was all along, but he's just the variable of this draft. He's the wild card of this draft and, and probably um, a guy who could, I don't know. I think he impacts what really happens Saturday night or Thursday night, maybe as much as anybody. No question. I think he's been the wild card to me, you know, all year long, uh, you know, throughout the year, uh, you know, after he shut it down early on because of the back surgery and then it was, okay, is he going to come back? Is he not? Um, there was some gamesmanship going on there as well. Is he going to play in the SEC tournament? Is he going to play in the NCAA tournament? Um, and, and really where he goes, I think, is going to impact, as you said, a lot of these other guys, you know, Luka Doncic. I mean, if Porter's a guy who goes, you know, four or five and, and goes that high, then, you know, where is Luka Doncic going to go, which is just amazing. There's You have one guy who, you know, there are a lot of questions about his health and another guy who, one Euroleague MVP at 19 that seemingly, you know, not everybody is jumping the draft. So uh, I'm just, Porter to me, his, his whole storyline has been the most interesting aspect of this draft. And and I think it's interesting how his agent, Mark Barlstein, has handled it. He's been usually when there's 
Usually when there's an injury and there's mystery around a guy, it's like he's been really, he had a lot of details Thursday, Friday that he shared with the teams. And once you put it in an email to the teams, it's going to get out when you send it to a bunch of teams. Um, but even in talking to Mark, I've gotten the sense that he's felt, and not every guy does this every time is, um, you know, he explained the back spasms and here's what he's going through and he's going to give the full medical. Um, they're not isolating it. A lot of agents in this draft, um, and this happens every year. And I think Mark's done it in the past, um, with others because it's just how you do business, but not every team gets the physical because you don't want a player to go to every team. Um, and there's certain places you want to keep a guy away from for lots of different reasons, but he's been pretty forthcoming with what they have. And I know they were uploading his, his most recent MRI into, uh, there's a system where all the teams can see it. Uh, what have you thought about the strategy with Porter, how they've handled what's a pretty delicate situation? I mean, he, he could, um, you know, there's a lot at stake with his draft status based on the information you're going to provide because teams are at the mercy of, of wanting physically to see where he is. Yeah. I mean, I think, if you're a team, you know, you're happy to be able to have your own doctors and, and come examine this, this prospect and, and get a closer look, um, in that regard. And, and clearly that's the biggest factor with him is just the health. You know, we've seen what he can do talent wise. I mean, at the Nike Hoop Summit, you know, people were buzzing about him as a potential number one pick. Um, so the talent is there. And I think, you know, it, it definitely, um, you know, says something that they're allowing teams to, to see him with their doctors. But also, it kind of makes me wonder, you know, where is his landing spot? Because you, you would think that if they had a, a situation they were also very comfortable with already, um, you know, then maybe there, there wouldn't be all, all of this, you know, additional stuff going on. Yeah, I think when the workout was canceled, or it was going to be a second workout, and when that was canceled on, on um, midweek, a lot of teams were convinced there was a, that he had a promise that there was a team fairly high up in the lottery who had said to them, we're going to take them, shut this down. Don't let anybody else examine them. But I don't think that happened. I, I think there's teams who are really intrigued with him. I do think he's going to go in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they shut it down. I, 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 I take them at their word for how this happened because, uh, there was one team in the top five who, I know some other teams thought had promised them and, and I did, just did some examining there and, and was led to believe that that had not happened. So, uh, it's just, it is an interesting drama here leading up into it. And, and I think the fuss over this is because this is a player who, if he had been healthy, um, had played his college season at Missouri, um, like everybody else played their college season in this draft, like Doncic played in, the Euroleague, uh, we, we'd be talking about him. It, it would be, it probably would be one, two, eight, and a porter. Do you believe that, Mike? Uh, yes and no. I mean, I think he has okay. the potential to be that. Um, but then I also look at a guy like, you know, Scala BCA, who went, you know, at that time at Nike Hoop Summit and, and really that time of year, people were buzzing about him as a number one pick as well. And then he, you know, went to Kentucky and in some respects, you know, maybe that wasn't a good situation for him, but he got exposed and he went in the late twenties, you know? So I think it can happen where these guys get to a college setting. 
um, and maybe their lack of feel or toughness, which are questions about Michael Porter, get exposed. Um, and, and, you know, there is some depth uh, in terms of Bagley and, and Wendell Carter and Jaron Jackson and Mobamba. And, the, you know, I don't think it's completely out of the question that, um, you know, people overscout him a little bit and say, wow, he actually doesn't do this or doesn't do that. There's a level of nitpicking that goes on at times, and, and sometimes less is more. It's just the unfortunate aspect in this regard is that there's an injury tied to it. No, and, and that's, you know, it's a great uh, point on what happens that one year of college, where you're ready coming out of high school, uh, and then where do you go to college? How do they use you? How do you show, you know, how does it impact? And, and when we get to maybe by 2021, and let, let's, I, I think at some point the high school player will be back in the draft. It may not be as soon as 20. It could be as soon as 21. Um, that, you know, that the, there'll be more, there'll be many more unknowns in the draft. That one year does help. Um, it, it's so hard to judge players against high school players. The, the competition, uh, makes a difference and how a kid manages being away from home for the first year, all the things that they're going to have to face in the NBA. The, the thing now this week, Mike, is you sort of get to some te- teams are getting down to here, you know, these are the two guys we're choosing among or the three guys we're choosing among based on what happens in front of us in the draft. And you sort of start to see, and you talk to teams, the, the tightening of their draft boards and uh, I, I think there's some really interesting decisions. Uh, I, I think a lot of people feel the draft kind of starts, um, you know, with some teams have said to me with Orlando at six, mm-hmm. that the first five will be the first five. I think Porter could throw that. If Porter somehow snuck into the first five, I think that would change it. But, but, but a little bit at, uh, with Orlando, and I think Orlando, Boy, they need a point guard. I mean, they really need one. And uh, Trey Young, Colin Sexton, and um, and even Shea Alexander from Kentucky, who uh, I, I do think goes in this lottery. Uh, teams haven't seen him in workout setting uh, for the most part. I'm not sure he's worked out for anybody. Um, and so uh, I, I think that... Um, that competition among those guards to me is going to be fascinating and how that plays plays out this week because they're all very different. Yeah, very different. And I think, you know, Orlando needs a point guard. I think you could argue Cleveland. Um, you could really even argue New York. Maybe that's not the route they're going to go. Um, and then, you know, I think the, the Clippers as well. Um, they could, You know, they're probably going to take – the best of who's left, you know, if they stand pat at that 12 and 13 in terms of point guard spots. But, uh, you know, I've said it before. I think, I think the Gilgis Alexander kid has, has a chance to be the best point guard and maybe he's not going to go six, but he does kind of fit the mold of, you know, what Jeff Weltman and John Hammond like in terms of length, um, IQ, uh, you know, their history suggests that maybe that's a little bit too high. Um, but, you know, to me, I'm really interested to see what Sacramento's going to do. That's obviously we say that every year, but <laughs> just at, at number yep. two, you know, like, is it Bagley? Is it, you know, that people have, you know, often been saying there's a Porter infatuation there. Are they going to move back? Um, you know, I, I just, I, I think what they do, whether it's a trade or, or who they draft could, could cause kind of a trickle down effect. Yeah. And, and, you know, Bagley came in and worked out for them and 
<clears throat> I'm curious if this has an impact on uh, Vivek Ranadive, their owner, that in recent years they've not had – now they haven't picked second either. But when you're that high, you get – it's a little bit easier to get guys in. People can live with a destination that maybe isn't is, um I don't know, doesn't have the appeal of, of some of the others when you're picking that high because you want to be – you want to say – an agent wants to say his guy got chosen that high that his player didn't drop, even if he'd prefer him maybe to be somewhere else. But the fact that Bagley went and worked out for them when they haven't gotten a lot of top players to work out for them, I, I think that Sacramento likes the idea that somebody wants to be there or is willing to be there in the draft. That hasn't been the case in recent years. They've struggled to get teams' physicals and workouts. Memphis is going through a little bit of that this year, um, struggling to get teams to work out for them to get their medical information. Not all players, but several in the top and in, in, uh, guys who are projected up higher. There's a few who haven't. And uh, I do wonder if that impacts however they evaluate Bagley. The fact that he came in and showed them that respect, um, I wonder how that impacts their decision-making, if at all. I, I think it might a little bit. Yeah, I think it, they're kind of a match made in heaven in a lot of ways. Uh, just because Bagley is very, very infatuated with going as high as possible. You know, you could say that about every prospect, but I think him more than others, he's very set on, like, I want to be the number one or number two pick, um, and if I'm not, it's it's a problem, you know. And I think, uh, you know, Sacramento is a place where he can go get 20 and 10, and and that's kind of his M.O. You know, he's an aggressive scorer, rebounder, doesn't always impact winning. Um, but I think, again, like, he, you know, he wants to go as high as possible. And, and, and I think he's been kind of, you know, salty at times through the process. Um, you know, when DeAndre Ayton has said, you know, I'm definitely the number one pick and, and this and that, um, he thinks he should be right there too. And so I think it is kind of a match made in heaven in terms of that's a place where, he can go and he does, you know, winning, going to a place where he's going to win right away. Sure. Everyone wants that. But I think for him, he wants to go put up 20 and 10 and that's a place where he can do that. The, the top part of the draft, Mike, I think many of us are confident DeAndre Ayton barring a trade or um, some sort of change of heart here goes number one to, to Phoenix. And like you said, then the, Kings are up next. Atlanta at three. Uh, I think Jaron Jackson has a great opportunity to be the third pick in the draft to go to Atlanta three. I don't believe they've locked it in. I don't think they've made a final decision. But, um, you know, I think Jackson is a player who many teams see with just tremendous uh, potential, uh, a great ceiling, um, and – and I think, and I think there's also been plenty of teams knocking at the door with Atlanta to try to get up to three. Um, but, um, I'm not sure, you know, two months ago, people would have thought Jackson would be in that top three, but boy, I think he's right on the doorstep there. Yeah, I think he's perfect for them. Uh, you know, you, you talk to a lot of really intelligent people in the NBA and they have him number one on their board. Um, you know, when you just talk about, how he fits in the modern NBA. He's really the epitome of a modern big man because uh, he can switch every screen, he protects the rim, and he can shoot threes. You know, that's a hard 
combination to find. And I think he fits perfectly with their first-round pick last year, John Collins. Um, I think you can play those two together because they complement each other really well. And then, you know, obviously Torian Prince uh, has been really good for them. Um, so, yeah, I think Jaron Jackson is a guy who very well we could look back in four or five years and say this was the best player to come out of this draft. Today's episode of the Woj Pod is brought to you by Full Sail University. Full Sail University combines hands-on learning, immersive projects, and faculty with real-world experience to prepare students for life in the media industry. And for the Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, they brought in some of sports media's best to be a part of the program. Longtime ESPN producer and multi-Emmy winner Gus Ramsey is heading up the program, and sportscasting pros such as Stage Steel, Jay Harris, Bill Simmons, and many more are involved. Students will learn sportscasting inside and out, on camera, behind the camera, podcasting, radio, interviewing, and everything in between. At Full Sail University's Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, you can earn a bachelor's degree in about half the time, as short as 20 months. And you can choose to earn your degree online or on Full Sail's campus in Orlando, Florida. To learn more about Full Sail University's Dan Patrick School of Sportscasting, go to fullsail.edu slash Woj. That's F-U-L-L-S-A-I-L dot E-D-U slash Woj. Mike, who's the guy, would you say, maybe in that top 10, top 8, who's being overanalyzed right now, who people are overthinking it with based on your conversations with teams? I think it's Luka Doncic for sure. Um, I don't know what else this this kid has to do, you know, to be considered even a top five pick, let alone, you know, two, three, four, five um, in that range. I mean, you know, it's not just the accolades in terms of winning EuroLeague MVP, but I think, I mean, the kids played an entire NBA season more or less since August. Uh, you know, he scored 27 points against Christoph Porzingis and, and the Latvian national team. He did it against Spain. Um, he did it all year in the EuroLeague and the ACB. His team is in the finals now in the ACB. Um, you know, I think people are just nitpicking this guy when, when really, to me, he's the safest pick in the draft. Um, so I, I don't know. I get the infatuation with length and, and all, all these bigs, but, you know, watching the playoffs and watching the way the game is going, like, wouldn't you want a six foot eight playmaker who can shoot it off the dribble and make every pass and push and transition? I just, I, I feel like oftentimes we get stuck back in, oh, you need the best big available. And then people are forgetting like, okay, we should watch the way the game is being played right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, and I've heard plenty of executives, you know, you, you watch the Final Four of the NBA, you watch the finals, and uh, you're right, there is a run, there is such a talented group of bigs, but skill and perimeter skills is ruling the day in the league right now, and I think it's a fascinating choice here for teams. Um, you know, you're right, and, and Doncic... I think Dallas would love to get their hands on Doncic, and I think mm-hmm. there was a time that Dallas thought they would maybe have to move up from number five to get him. And are, are you so sure Dallas would have to move up from five to get him in this draft? Could, could he be there for them? I think absolutely he could. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, if Bagley's the guy who's going to go two and then Jaron Jackson at three, I mean, it's hard to pass on a guy like Mo Bamba, you know. 
there are interesting guys at the top of this draft. I think Mo Bamba is somebody who has killed the pre-draft process, which is no surprise to me because you have a guy with the 7'10 wingspan who can shoot threes and, and is as intelligent as he is. You know, his camp has done an awesome job, I think, just of, in terms of packaging him um, and, and to these NBA teams. Uh, so you have these, these freaks at the top, and uh, I, I think Doncic could very well be there for Dallas, which would be you know, a, a match made in heaven, I think. Yeah, and I, I think you're starting to see now, um, as we get within a week of the draft, you know, trade talks will start to get a little more serious. By Monday, teams will have a better idea. This is typically, in my experience, how it starts to play out. Teams start to get a better idea of who's really serious about trying to make a deal to move up or to move down. Whereas kind of early on here, you know, some different reports get out there about conversations. And many of the conversations have happened, but they're not really rooted in reality like they're not teams haven't made real serious offers um but the offers get a little more serious this week and and i think so much of it comes down to thursday night and you know if teams look at the board and get a sense of if we get the five if we can trade to six um is the guy we want going to be there and typically those deals don't happen until number three makes its pick or number four makes its pick and then, okay, we have a contingency on a trade there. Uh, I think there's going to be a few this year. I think there's teams, um, you know, who've targeted certain players and have value put a value on them and said we're going to get up. Um, whether it's a Mo Bamba, whether it's uh, Doncic, um, uh, that they'd like to get up. I think the Clippers will will continue to knock on the door in a few spots there. They have twelve and thirteen. Um, and, but I also think they feel like they can get a couple pretty good players there. I think Robert Williams could be there for the Clippers at 12 or 13. And, uh, he was in working out for the Clippers, uh, on Friday in LA. Um, uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander is another guard who may be there at that point. He could be, maybe he's off the board by then. I, I think the Clippers would like to get out of this draft, uh, with a young point guard. I think that would be a focus for them. And then, you know, Williams is a, superior athletic specimen, um, really versatile big forward who can do some different things. I think, you know, there's some, I think there's some questions about him um, off the court, how he fits, how he, but, but I've, I've also heard some teams tell me, listen, I think this is a serious, a more serious minded kid than he's gotten credit for that. This kid wants to be good. Um, and if he gets to the Clippers, if they think they can get, let's say those two at 12 or 13, or, you know, Lonnie Walker's a player who could very well be there for them. That's, that's, that's a young player that they've, you know, they focused on too. Um, they might be better off just taking two players in this lottery, especially for an organization that doesn't have many good young players that has not drafted well previous to Lawrence Frank and Mike Winger taking over that front office. I thought, Last year's draft, Lawrence hit it on a couple second round picks, which they haven't done it forever. Um, with the Clips, uh, they're an interesting team. Um, how they're going to handle this week? Uh, I don't think they move down, but but I think they either stay where they are, or they maybe even jump up to grab grab somebody else. Yeah, yeah, I, I think they're in position to get a couple really good players, as you mentioned. Some names there. We get so caught up in, you know, 
oh, this is the top six or this is the top seven, this is the consensus here, this guy's a reach here. I think if you look back at every draft, maybe Donovan Mitchell is a little bit of an outlier, but um, there are good players who go behind, you know, who go in the late lottery. Who you, There are Donovan Mitchells, there are Kyle Kuzmas, there are Jared Allens, there are OG Ananobis. So I think, you know, it's it's crazy when people say, oh, this is the set eight or, or whatever, these are the guys. I mean, it's an inexact science, you know, and, and you do everything you can to know. But, I mean, if you're, if you're in the Clippers situation, if you can get a Robert Williams at 13, uh, I think that's a steal. I mean, that's, to me, a guy who is maybe the, I like to call it like an NCAA casualty, a guy who just wasn't put in a position to succeed. Um, and I really do think he has a chance to, if in the right situation, become like a Clint Capella type. And um, I, another name is, I think, is Kevin Knox, who's going to be in play. Um, maybe not for them, but you know, potentially New York or, or Chicago or Cleveland. I think he's a guy who's really helped himself in the process. And people are seeing an 18-year-old forward who's six nine, who can shoot it in a few different ways, and has a ton of talent. Um, he, he's a name who's kind of buzzing right now. Yeah, I, I, uh, Knox had a very good workout with the Knicks. Um, I think he turned some heads for them at number nine. Uh, the the player for me, like sometimes you just feel like, I just hope that player ends up with that team, and I hope that team ends up with that player. Like the just the fit, and, and I think it's setting up for that is Villanova's Mikel Bridges at number ten. I think he's perfect for them. He's perfect for Brett Brown, and you know he came up to Bristol when he made his announcement uh, that he was leaving school and, and headed into the draft and his mom came up with him. And I, I think some people know this, but to me, it's really interesting. I, it's interesting to me. His mom is the human resources director for the Sixers and the Devils because they're owned by the same group. And you kind of, they, I think they share a lot of that upper management. And like you talk about a kid who wants to play for the Sixers. He's from, you know, a local kid, two national championships at Villanova I mean, he had a locker in the building, you know, uh, a few games a year, and he fits them perfectly. And and to me, he's a Brett Brown kind of guy. And Philadelphia has had so many picks here in recent years where, for lots of different reasons, and some worked out obviously very well, you know, where guys weren't ready to play and, and injuries and, um, you know, kept guys on the shelf for a while. I mean, Bridges to me is a young man who comes in, uh, plays, you know, c- can play both sides of the ball for you right away compliment the guys they have and and uh uh I think that one is set up pretty well I, I think the Sixers really like him I, I know he wants to play for the Sixers I mean it's a dream come true uh for a Villanova kid for a mom <laughs> be able to see your mom around the facility uh during the day I I like the chances of that marriage happening yeah, for sure. And I think if you take into account, you know, Brett Brown is going to be involved in this decision. And he's a guy who was just in, a, you know, an important couple of playoff series. And he wants guys who can play, you know, there's there's a different mindset between a coach and a front office. Oftentimes, as you know, you know, he, he wants guys who he's thinking, OK, we need another wing defender. Like I'm looking at the playoffs last year. We need someone who can step in and guard on the perimeter and make a shot, you know, and and, and here's our guy. There are some more interesting names who maybe have more upside at that pick. Um, but I think when you take into account the Philly ties, um, you know, Brett Brown's involvement, the fact that he fits what they're doing, I think you're right. I think that's, that's a pick that makes a lot of sense on it for both sides. Mike, I'm going to bounce around to a few different names a little bit later in the draft. One guy, Mitchell Robinson, 
a seven footer who did not play college basketball, enrolled for a short time at Western Kentucky, uh, and then left, uh, is in the draft. And he, he hurt his ankle in a workout, um, about 10 days ago. Um, I, I was, I, I'm told he'd like to try to get back on the floor for some teams this week if the sprain heals in time. Um, you know, he could be a, free, listen, he could, he could pop it late in that first round. He is a talent. Uh, he is a remarkable physical specimen. Um, I think there's some, he needs some, he needs to be in a situation where there's going to be some mentoring, uh, did not come from an easy, uh, an easy background. I think there's some challenges for teams with him. Um, uh, but that's the kind of guy you see sort of pop into the back of the first round, especially you know, a playoff team, a really good team who has veterans who can uh, take their time with him. Um, and I know you guys have seen him. You and Jonathan Gavoni have seen him work out. You've seen him up close. Uh, what 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 could he be? He's a physical freak. I mean, he's maybe the most maybe saved DeAndre Ayton and Mobamba. You could put him third in terms of how physically gifted he is. I mean, he's seven one. With a seven-four wingspan, he, he has the feet of a guard. Um, he, he, I don't even think he knows how good he can be. Um, I, I see him as kind of like a, you know, Willie Cauley Stein type of guy, um, who, you know, obviously Willie hasn't quite reached his potential, and I think a lot of that has been due to, you know, not always wanting to be the type of guy he needs to be in terms of running the floor and catching lobs and blocking shots. And I think you see some of that with Mitchell Robinson. Also, he's. He's a freak. He can catch everything. He can block everything. He can switch everything. But you go watch him out, watch him work out, and they're you know sprinting him off of screens into three pointers and, and doing ball handling. And and while that's nice to show you have that touch, I think you know making sure that he knows who he is is going to be important. And that's where, as you said, putting him in a situation where this is what you do: run the floor, block shots, switch screens, catch lobs, be with veterans. And and I think he could be a complete steal if he goes to the right situation. Now, if he goes to a losing team where there's no guidance, uh, he floats, and and you know he he needs he needs mentorship, as you said. He you know the upbringing was tough. Uh, obviously, with Western Kentucky, it was a interesting situation. He was on campus, he was off campus. Where in the world is Mitchell Robinson? Is he going to college? Is he not? <laughs> Um, but I mean, I've seen this kid in the UIBL against DeAndre Ayton, against Mo Bamba, against these guys in this draft, and stand toe for toe with them completely, and oftentimes outplay them um, at Jordan Brand, at McDonald's. I mean, he's every bit as talented as some of the guys in the top ten of this draft. It's just there are some some red flags. A guy at the opposite end of the spectrum, four years in plain view of everybody, Grayson Allen from Duke. Um, I've gotten the sense. Listen, I think it's hard for a player who everyone has seen so much of over four years, <clears throat> like Allen, to really change perceptions or in, have his pre-draft process impact things. But I do think, despite all that everyone has seen of Allen, he has helped himself here in his interviews, um, in his workouts, his pro day uh, that he had, which I don't know. I don't put much stock in. I don't think you do, or teams put a great deal in. But all of... It all adds up a little bit, and I think Allen, I think Allen's in this first round. Yeah, he's, you know, people. He, to me, he's very misunderstood. 
Um, and I, I get it with, you know, the tripping stuff and the, you know, all that aspect people didn't like. But to me, I see a competitor. I see a kid who wants so badly to win that maybe he put too much pressure on himself at times. But I think he, he has potential to be a killer. I really do. Um, and, you know, I'm with you. I don't put all that much, uh, that much stock in, in those, you know, pro days and all that. But he must have missed eight shots in an hour. I mean, he put on a show. Um, and, and he can really shoot the ball. And I think he's going to play a different role in the NBA than he did at Duke. He was asked to play point guard at Duke. They had no spacing. They were playing like three centers at once at times. And he, and he struggled. I think if you look back to his freshman season when he played a role on that championship team, he was diving on the floor for loose balls. He was guarding everybody. He was making timely threes. And that's when everybody fell in love with him. And I could see him having that type of role early on in the NBA where he's a bench energizer, he makes shots, he you know plays above the rim in transition, he competes defensively. Um, I, yeah, I think Grayson Allen is, is the type of guy who fans are going to fall in love with in the NBA. Support for the Woj Pod comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. They understand that home plays a big role in your life and family. That's why they created Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home plan. It's simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage, you get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. It's convenient. Our trusted partners allow you to share your financial information with Rocket Mortgage at the touch of a button. And in addition to getting a real mortgage approval in minutes, you can even adjust the rate and length of your loan in real time to make sure you're getting the right solution for you. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com slash woge, equal housing lender, license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Mike, you know, fans hear all the time about, did this player get a promise? Did that player get a promise? Is that why he stayed in the draft? Or is that why he's not working out for any more teams? He has, quote unquote, shut it down. Explain to people the motivation from a team perspective and then from an agent slash player perspective of making a promise to a player and then doing – um you know, kind of then following up with, um, again, either you're not working out for other teams or you're not sharing medical information with anybody else that, um, w- what are the benefits for each side? Yeah. I think if you're a team, you know, you're shutting him down to, to make sure that nobody else ahead of you sees him. You know, maybe it's a guy who, uh, not every team is, has seen extensively and, um, and you're hoping, okay, if we can, keep this kid, uh, you know, out of their gym, um, you know, away from their staff, and, and he's not able to blow them away like he did us, you know, maybe we get a steal at, at 26. And then if you're, or where, you know, wherever the pick is, and then if you're the player in his camp, I think, you know, this is only something you do if you're comfortable with the situation um, and, and you like the organization and, and you think it's a good fit for your guy. 
Um, so for, you know, if you're, if you're a, an agent who's not always as, uh, you know, hell bent on the guy going as high as possible and you want to send him to the right situation, um, then I think that's a good opportunity to do that. So I think there are benefits for both sides. Um, again, though, we, you know, we, sometimes this goes awry. It's, it's, it can be a tricky proposition. Yeah. And I think the hesitancy that teams have on making a guarantee. So if you tell, you know, let's say you're picking 23, 24, 25, and you tell Kevin Kevin Herter from Maryland, stay in the draft, don't go back to school, you're not getting past this. Mm-hmm. And feel free not to work out for anybody else. Um, we're we're, we're going to take you. And then all of a sudden on draft night, you get offered a trade that includes your pick, and you say, wow, that trade really makes us better this year. Did not think we would be offered that. Oh, man, we told Herter to stay in the draft. We told his agent, who is – somebody we've got to deal with all the time to stay in the draft and what do we do? And I think that's that's where teams are hesitant to do those because you just, number one, you don't know who might who else might drop to you and you also don't know what trade may come up. And so teams are generally kind of hesitant to do it. Oklahoma City's done them in the past. They did them with Reggie. They did one with Reggie Jackson. They did one with Mitch McGarry. They shut those players. Those players just disappeared. <laughs> In the pre-draft process, mysterious Ill- injuries. Where are they? Not working out for anybody. But it's a. But if there's a guy you really covet and want, it's it's a it's a great strategy. But it's always a fascinating dynamic because teams don't want to be in a situation where they have to go back. They have to go back on their word on it and don't want to put themselves in that situation. Yeah, I think it's interesting to kind of use um, as a tool to get guys a year before their draft stock is going to be at peak. So now with the testing the waters process, I think, you know, if you're a smart team, you bring, as, bring in as many guys as you can uh, through workouts who are just testing the waters. You bring them in early. You get, you know, their interviews and their medicals, and, and you see them play. Um, you know, potentially they're going to go back to school, but then you have a leg up on those guys. But I think during that process, you can find a guy who was, you know, potentially just going to test the waters. Maybe this guy is a fringe combine invite. Um, you know, I think of like Aaron Holiday last year. I think, you know, he went through the process, and there were teams who, you know, could have shut him down and say, hey, we'll take you in the 50s. Um, and to have that foresight and, and get him a year early, whereas now this year he's, you know, you, you don't have to use a top 20 pick on him. So I think it, that's where it gets interesting is, is being able to kind of shut down those testing the waters guys who are probably going to end up, you know, in the top 20 or, or, or even the lottery the following year. Yeah. The, the year before Chris Epps Porzingis came into the draft, um, Orlando had two lottery picks and, they told him if he stays in the draft, we'll use our second pick with him. Don't work him out for anybody. We'll take him. And Porzingis thought about it and was uh, was presented with that idea. And Porzingis's thought was, I'm not ready to play in the NBA yet. I want another year. I don't. It's not necessarily about me getting drafted in the lottery. I want to be ready to play when I come to the NBA. And poor poor Rob Hennigan in Orlando. Like how different things could have turned out. <laughs> They, let's say they get Porzingis in that draft. Um, things might be different, right? I think they took Alfred Payton with that pick. Yep. And then the next year, he's in the draft. They're drafting high. They've got five. <laughs> New York's got four. They end up with Hizonia, and New York takes 
Porzingis right in front of them and, you know, but close, you know, close doesn't count. Yeah. And I thought, man, a lot of people thought Hazonia was, there are people in, in the NBA who thought Hazonia was a better prospect than, than Porzingis. Um, that's right. That's so, right. you know, and, it just shows you it's, it's, it's such a crapshoot and you do everything to, you do everything you can to, to, you know, know all these guys and, and, and try to hit it on the head. But, uh, you know, there's situ- situational factors that come into play and, um, it's just, it's such an inexact science. Mike, th- this week for you, your preparation for the draft, we have the, uh, we have a couple draft shows, kind of a draft slash free agency show and a draft show Monday night in Bristol and then the walk up to Thursday night. How, how do you prepare, um, during this week for Thursday night? I mean, you, you, you've spent years evaluating all of these players. You've seen many of them. Uh, before they got to college or before they were even stars overseas. Um, w- what are your final days like leading up to draft night? Yeah, it's just kind of gathering your thoughts and, you know, dotting some I's, crossing some T's. But as you mentioned, I mean, our work is really done um, in the years prior, you know. Uh, our work is done during the season, going to watch these guys, talking to coaches, talking to AAU people, uh, gathering intel, watching film, um, so most of that work is, is really done. So that, that's what makes the draft so fun for us. You know, I mean, we've, we've done everything we can. We've seen all these guys. We've talked to everybody we need to, and we don't have a pick, you know, so <laughs> we, we watch it unfold and, and, um, but you know, there's still some things to be done here and have a few last minute uh, videos that we're going to, we're going to finish up and some more content to produce. But yeah, I mean, most of our work is done. Um, you know, when, when these guys are in high school and then in college and then throughout their seasons, um, it's really just kind of, you know, making sure you're, you're not missing on every, anything and, um, you know, having all your ducks in a row. And you know what will happen Thursday night. There'll be, some, there'll be some international player taken at 48, 50 the second <laughs> round, and I'm going to turn to you and Gavoni and go, how do you spell that? How do you say that? Uh, is yeah. good? We got to make sure you, we and, and the best, uh, we don't miss the anyone part there. Is, but I, yeah, I think, well, I think we're gonna, well equipped. Yeah, I know you are, and I know you'll have the answer. You'll tell me about watching him when he was 15 in uh, a tournament in Belgrade, and um, and so I know exactly how uh, that's going to go. But Mike, looking forward to spending a lot of time with you this week. Uh, we'll be together Thursday at 7 p.m. on ESPN, the, the NBA draft, along with Reese Davis and Jay Billis. Uh, and uh, Chauncey Billups and our whole group. Um, looking forward to it, Mike, and I'll see, you, I'll see you in Bristol on Sunday night, I think. Sounds good, Woj. Thanks for having me, man. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Woj Pod. A big thank you to today's guest, ESPN draft analyst, Mike Schmitz. Remember, you can subscribe and listen to new and archived episodes of this pod wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. A big thank you to today's sponsors, Freshly and Full Sail University. Be sure to support them the way they support us here at the Woj Pod. We'll catch you next time.